This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle issue 247, the first Bugle of the golden era of world peace that broke out after last week's solving of the Syria crisis. Uh, swept conveniently back under the carpet with a comforting squelch so we can all get back to having fun. I'm Andy Zaltzman in London, and joining us from the logical conclusion to Western culture, Los Angeles, <laughs> it's the Tinseltown Terroir himself, the Hollywood hot stuff, the self-proclaimed Ginger Rogers of the 21st century, John Oliver. Oh, please don't let this city be where humanity is heading, Andy. <laughs> uh, I am indeed. I'm in LA, the City of Angels. That's named after Angels, a strip club on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> uh, I believe the technical name for this city is City of Broken Dreams. That's named after uh, the strip club Broken Dreams, which is just off Ventura. <laughs> um, I'm out here for uh, the Emmy Awards tomorrow night, Andy, and to shoot a couple of episodes of Community next week. The rest of the time, I'll presumably be eating macrobiotic smoothies, <laughs> surfing with Vin Diesel, and pumping weights on Muscle Beach, Andy. <laughs> pumping weights. Um, last weekend, I was, at a, I was at a friend's wedding in Philadelphia, which was in a Catholic church. And look, it's not often I walk into one of those, Andy, without feeling flames licking at the soles of my feet. And, you know, my relationship with Catholicism may not have improved after an incident in the church just before the wedding. I was standing right at the front, uh, the front, I don't know what you call it, exit, entrance, exit, whatever they call it, the front of the church, talking to an eight-year-old boy. And he was thirsty, and he said, can I drink from that? And he pointed at what looked to me to be some kind of water fountain on the wall. <laughs> so I said, sure, go for it. And he did, Andy, and he lapped away for a few seconds before a horrified man pulled him away and followed that up by dipping his finger in the water and crossing himself. Apparently it was holy water, and he's <laughs> not a drinking fountain. That is my bad. And the kid, the kid is now either significantly holier than he was this time last week, or significantly sicker because and this is true the groom texted me the next morning with a link to a local news story about bacteria in holy water in philadelphia <laughs> churches saying if the kid goes down we know who to point the finger at um thanks uh, to all buglers who've come to see uh, my satirist for Har show in uh, soho i hope you've enjoyed the shows thanks for sending in your satirical requests from the uh, globally relevant to the downright weird, and this one came in. I won't use the guy's name, uh, and I think a lot of questions arise from this. Dear Andy, uh, whilst I imagine much of your show will be spent holding up a mirror to our unjust society and mashing political hot potatoes, testify. Um, I wonder if you consider a more self-serving and devious request. I met up with a girl last weekend for a first date. Unfortunately, it turns out she's really clever and funny and attractive, which is a nightmare, as I'm not sure I'm any of these things. Um, <laughs> She's agreed to a second date. Uh, obviously, your show was my first thought for a romantic night out. Uh-oh. Well, I've Uh-oh. just... That relationship is now over. Because, <laughs> having said in this email, John, uh, in the show, I, oh, no. I got to it and I said, uh, are you here? Is uh, <laughs> Are you here? And he, neither him nor the girl were there. So it turns out that the mere threat of going to see my gig is enough to break up a relationship. <laughs> John, we have a surprise guest on the uh, on oh, the yeah? Google 
uh, today with some uh, very searching questions for you about uh, some of the things you've been saying recently. John, hello, it's Tom, from, all the way from Australia. Oh my goodness me. And you, I've got a bone to pick with you, on two counts. Yeah, pick uh, it away. Well, one, the publicist for Smurfs 2 in Australia <laughs> seems to be stalking me. Could you please ask her to stop? I don't want to go see the film. No offence, John. I just, I'm getting so many emails, it's getting slightly creepy. So if you could tell them, that would be really helpful. And I understand that uh, you came to Australia and were rude to a former Prime Minister. And that you're up for an Emmy. That's congratulations. Uh, this the, is John the Howard. Two, the two are linked. The two are linked. Well, yeah. I've got to say, if that's how the qualifying thing, if to be rude to John Howard gets you an Emmy nomination, then a lot of Australia will be going for the Oscars <laughs> next year, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to come down to call uh, Tony Abbott an arsehole <laughs> and then uh, just hold my hand out and wait to be given a gong. I think he'd take that as a compliment. At <laughs> this point, uh, because of where I work, I can't possibly voice any opinion <laughs> about Tony Abbott, now minister in charge of women's affairs, who in 2006 said that maybe men are genetically built to lead women. Yeah, I have no opinion on that whatsoever. <laughs> but you're not stating an opinion. You're just stating yeah. a fact there and I, then letting people judge from that yeah. fact th- what they will. No, as, as, as a representative of Australia's public broadcasting company, I need to say <laughs> Tony Abbott's in within his power not to appoint a science minister because, let's face it, Australia isn't getting hotter. Yeah. Or, or, well, science is, is a fad as well. I mean, it's, yeah. you know... It's like organic groceries. It was a great idea a few years yeah. ago. It just it isn't a practical in this austerity-led world. Well, so I mean, you know, the humankind managed to live without science for millions of years, and it's True. you know, it's only came in what about 1930, didn't it? Yeah, it, it's yeah. The, it's it the, caused all kinds the of idea trouble. of basically uh, what doesn't what what you don't know doesn't hurt you. You know, ignorance is bliss. Basically, should explain uh, long-term buglers will recognise the dulcet to- Scottish Australian tone tones uh, yeah. of uh, of uh, Tom is our original bugle producer from. Uh, Way yeah. back in the mists of bugle history. Well, someone told Pre-Chris. me... Pre-Chris. Previously, uh, a couple of months ago, someone came up to me and said, Oh, you're from the old bugles. <laughs> oh, yes, wow. I'm from the old bugles. Jeez. From the deep, dark prehistory of podcasting. So, uh, welcome back for a fleeting, uh, Hello. fleeting visit. What have you done with Chris? Oh, he's uh, talking about he's doing some football stuff. <laughs> so we have so here we have we have, and we have Rich as the uh, standing producer. Hello, Rich. I'll seize the opportunity to speak into a microphone. There we go. There we go. So, so that's another Pull one. Pull that down. <laughs> I can't say f- you to him. I don't even know him. Anyway. Well, if anyone else wants to say f- you to Rich, or even to Tom, having missed out on the opportunity yeah. to do f- f- you from the old bugle. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome to this is bugle two hundred and forty-seven. Um, for the week beginning uh, Monday, the uh, 23rd of uh, of September. As always, a section of this bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, an archaeological finds section. Uh, some very exciting news, John. A new gospel has been discovered. Um, an- another new one. Uh, the gospel according to St. Beonsus, which details only Jesus' minor miracles, uh, rather than the major ones that got so much uh, press coverage uh-huh. in, the, in the big gospels. Uh, these include house training Lazarus's new puppy in a single afternoon, uh, doing an entire parable whilst bouncing on a pogo stick, um, getting his friends Kevin and Nadine to stay together despite having had a stand-up row outside the temple about whether or not to put in a new patio, and most memorably winning a game of Animal Snap despite wearing a blindfold. Lord, you did memorise the order of the cards, said Peter. No, Peter, I had faith. I believed in the cards, and the cards fell good for me. Peter, scepticise you not, my son. I'd expect this kind of shit from Thomas, but not from you. 
with respect, Gaffer, please call me Lord. Sorry, Lord. With respect, I saw you looking through the cards and then not shuffling them properly. No, Peter, I just read you like a Mills and Boone, said Jesus. Bullshit, Lord. Screw you, Peter. If you didn't make the noises of the animals as soon as the card went down, it wouldn't be so f***ing easy. You owe me 50 shekels. And where's Iscariot? He still hasn't paid me for the poker night last week. Well, you obviously cheated in that one, Lord. Yeah, well, he should get over it. Also been discovered uh, a new Egyptian tomb. Very exciting news, uh, including the first known pictures of Canubis, the ancient Egyptian goddess of tedious conversation. And uh, also the 14th century um, pharaohs, a dynasty of uh, 14th century pharaohs, including I lost my hat, is that a new hat? I have a new hat, and I'd use a scarf too. Sorry, I'd, I'd use a scarf the second. It's been a long week. <laughs> I have missed this. <laughs> so, Nothing's like, changed, Tom. So, so. Nothing's changed. We've been treading water for the last half a decade. <laughs> Top story this week, Mind the Gap. Mind <laughs> the Gap. Mind the Gap. <laughs> Andy, there are gaps that governments actually care about, of course, such as the likability gap. That's when polls suggest that a candidate is not testing as likable with the public, so his team will stop at nothing to try and find a particular colour of tie to fix that problem. <laughs> uh, then there are... Then there are the gaps that politicians really couldn't give two shits about, such as the wealth gap. Now, in America, that gap has become more of a Grand Canyon recently, so much so that stuntmen are currently lining up to perform death-defying stunts, such as tightrope walk across the wealth gap, as long as they can find a piece of wire long enough. And recent statistics proved that the income gap between the richest 1% of Americans and the other 99% widened to a record margin in 2012, breaking the previous record sent in, set in 1927. <laughs> and bear in mind that the wealth gap in 1927 in America was between the two points of a man wearing a shiny monocle and a child washing its rags in an open sewer. So that was a pretty, pretty objectively impressive gap back then. Well, this has to be seen in historical context, John, because this is a great triumph for America when these figures were announced. Uh, America as a nation went, what's that? Oh, Mr. Khrushchev, you've gone eerily quiet. Stick that in your datcher and collectively farm it. So it's very much a great victory for America. Uh, kind of, uh, this, this, is the, this, is the, this is really the end point of the Cold War for me. Well, according to tax filings, the top 1% of US earners collected 19.3% of household income. And that is just what they're filing, Andy. Let's <laughs> take into account their Cayman Island bank accounts or the $100 bills that are stuffed into their comically oversized mattresses. And those statistics don't even focus on the even narrower Oprah percent, which is the very small percentage of people who are Oprah. Now, that group has once again done extremely well over the last 12 months, Andy. Some of these statistics are so horrifying, their impact is almost physical. It's like numbers suddenly have the ability to reach out and slap you in the face. Over the last tax year in the state, the top 10% of richest households uh, represented just under half of all income in the year. And over the last three years, 95% of all income gains have gone to the richest 1% of people. Did you feel a physical reaction to those numbers? <laughs> Didn't it somehow feel that those figures had gone into your ears, travelled through your body, and then spent a few seconds kicking you in the balls? I don't know how that's possible, and I know that it isn't. But someone tell me, someone tell my balls that, Andy, because they feel awful sore right now. <laughs> We've had uh, a kind of similar uh, 
discussions over here. Uh, George Osborne, earlier in the year at the uh, budget, I think, said, those with the broadest shoulders should bear the greatest burden. Then stopped for a minute and said, sorry, uh, not uh, not greatest burden, I meant flashiest golden cape. Those with the broadest shoulders should definitely wear the flashiest golden cape. <laughs> Which, it's not just the complete lack of concern from most wealthy politicians in the face of poverty. It's the inexplicable anger that they have at the poor for somehow getting themselves into this mess. In the UK, <laughs> Michael Gove, who is Secretary of State for Education, but who also seems that he would feel right at home in a Dickens novel, walking through an orphanage, whacking children with a pointy <laughs> stick. He made some comments that, recently to, about... To be honest, John, that is actually part of his uh, education policy. So that... <laughs> Right, OK. Well, that's exactly. Uh, he, he made some comments recently about food banks, which is punching down so hard, I think he may have dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> He said during a departmental question session with MPs that users of local food banks can't budget properly, which I guess is true, Andy, if by that you mean to imply that they literally don't have enough money to form a functional budget through which to survive as a human being. If you mean anything other than that, of course, then you are a flaming arsehole. (laughs) Someone who I believe in Spanish you would call pendejo on fuego. (laughs) Pendejo and fuego. Have you been doing some lessons, John? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I think that means arsehole on fire, not flaming arsehole, but the, I'm hoping it gets the basic point across. <laughs> Wasn't that a title of a John Denver album? <laughs> what, what, Pendejo on fuego? No, arsehole on fire. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just before the final album. Um... <laughs> uh... Yeah, Gove did say this. He's basically saying that people are using food banks because of um, because of poor economic decisions, and that is true. The o- only problem is that the economic decisions were not made by the people using the food banks, which must have made yeah. those little bits of gravel they were getting taste even more bitter. Yeah, look, what he's essentially saying seems to be: look, the government should simply help them make better decisions, such as the decision to not be poor. <laughs> My parents chose not to be poor, and their parents before them. It boggles one's mind try to understand why one would actively choose to be impoverished, but I suppose some people just love the taste of dirt. Just take your bootstraps and pull yourself up by them. And if you can't afford bootstraps, I simply don't know what to say to you. (laughs) This could possibly be paving the way for uh, the next uh, general election, uh, a nationwide cull of the poor. Uh, In fact, um, David Cameron was recently um, overheard in a one-man press conference in his own bedroom. Uh, practicing a speech in which he said, "What do they? What do they actually do?" I know the last government cull of the poor, cunningly disguised as World War One, did not prove particularly popular, but I think the majority would accept that poor from other countries are now so much more efficient than our own British poor, and sacrifices will have to be made. Literally, in some cases, where's my chainsaw? Bring forth the pleb! Ring, 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 ring. The current UK government has been widely criticised as being out of touch, but. I, I actually don't think they would understand a poor person, Andy, if they were physically touching them with the sole of their shoe while standing on their face, which is metaphorically essentially what they're currently doing anyway. Because this currently comes on the back of the Conservatives in Britain also standing by their controversial bedroom tax, which docks housing benefit by 14% if welfare recipients in social housing have a second bedroom, something which is objectively not their fault, Andy, and is a massive... And, and also lines up with a massive shortage of council one-bedroom properties for them to hypothetically move into. <laughs> but this, this policy seems 
to think that you might be able to punish poor people out of their difficult situation, which is like a doctor hoping that a comatose patient will wake up if he repeatedly slams them with a plank <laughs> of wood. I, mean, I guess it's theoretically possible, but even on the off chance that they do wake up, they're going to wake up justifiably angry. Well, that's it. Well, I mean, but this is this is the right way to do it, John. If you've got a cat that appears to be very, very ill and you want it to be a bit more sprightly, the way to make it move is to shoot it repeatedly. And you know, it will start twitching. It will definitely start twitching. The, the current conservative attitude towards combating poverty seems to be the same attitude that sadomasochists have towards sex. Look, <laughs> if it doesn't hurt, you are clearly not doing it right. <laughs> According to the latest figures, one in three council tenants affected by the uh, housing benefit uh, cut have fallen behind on rent since the policy took effect. Now, obviously, this has not gone down at all well, and the government just issued a response to these figures saying, obviously, this is very disappointing and not what we intended with this policy, which was supposed to create equality, not division. Therefore, we will be ruthlessly targeting the remaining 66% to make sure that they fall into debt they can't afford too, or are forced to leave their homes, families and communities, just to see the looks on their faces. F***ing priceless. Lighten up, guys. And uh, many have literally fallen foul of the new regulations, John, uh, in that they uh, have to take on extra jobs dressing as pantomime chickens to publicise International (laughs) Omelette Awareness Week, just to make ends meet. Uh, But interestingly, it's been confirmed today, exclusively to the Bugle, uh, that the Queen uh, has has fallen foul of these uh, these new uh, housing regulations. It turned out that she had in her homes a total of 174 unoccupied bedrooms as a result of which she and her current squeeze, Prince Philip, uh, have been relocated to one-bedroom council flat in Brixton, from where Her Majesty will continue to rule her subjects with her characteristic non-committal neutrality, very much a potato fist in a potato glove. Op-ed off news now. And uh, last week, you might remember that Vladimir Putin took to the pages of the New York Times to write an op-ed about American foreign policy, especially regarding Syria. Well, this has set off something of an op-ed arms race around the world right now, as John McCain, fully qualified Captain Cranky Pants, (laughs) took it upon himself to respond by writing an attack on Putin published on Russia's Pravda website. Now, the, the piece was headlined... Russians deserve better than Putin and accused the Kremlin of punishing dissent, rigging elections, backing tyrants, censoring the media, fostering corruption and banishing political opponents. McCain said that Putin was undermining his country's reputation through support for Syria's government in the face of the West's outrage over its use of chemical weapons. Uh, The op-ed said he is not enhancing Russia's global reputation, he's destroying it. He has made her a friend to tyrants and an enemy to the oppressed and untrusted by nations that seek to build a safer, more peaceful and prosperous world. That is one step short, Andy, of just drawing a cartoon of Putin's face with a penis coming out of his forehead. (laughs) And this now seems to be the new wave in international diplomacy, or more specifically international smack talk, just using each other's newspapers as the back of a bathroom stall door. (laughs) These these op-eds truly prove, Andy, that the pen is indeed pettier than the sword. (laughs) Although McCain may have slightly screwed up, in uh, the particular location of his article, because Putin's was in the New York Times, America's most famous newspaper. But McCain's op-ed was published on Pravda's website, not even Pravda itself, which was Russia's most famous newspaper around three decades ago. (laughs) One 
Russian opposition activist Ilya Yashin tweeted, McCain evidently doesn't realise that Pravda.ru is not the Pravda newspaper he remembers from Cold War times. <laughs> and another said, Senator McCain mixed up the Pravda newspaper and the Pravda.ru website. And see, the, the problem is, Russia's Communist Party still produces its own separate Pravda periodical, but the publication has such a small distribution that most Russians would not even be able to buy it from newsstands. But still, <laughs> that's not the point, Andy. The point is that he did it. It's not what he did or where he did it, it's that he did it at all. That's the point. That's the point you're trying to make. And McCain and Putin are far far from alone, Andy, in writing op-eds in each other's papers. This, uh, in the, it's the UN General Assembly annual meeting next week, the circus ring that drew such memorably crazy speeches from the likes of Gaddafi and Ahmadinejad. And Iran's new leader, President Hassan Rouhani, has just written a couple of days ago an op-ed here in the Washington Post. In it, he urges other world leaders to seize the opportunity presented by his election to engage Iran in a constructive dialogue. And he said that his country was ready to facilitate talks between the Syrian government and the opposition. Uh, he says, gone is the age of blood feuds. World leaders are expected to lead in turning threats into opportunities. Gone is the age of blood feuds. What the <laughs> f*** is that, Andy? <laughs> America looks to Iran to be a cartoon nemesis, not a persuasive sense of reason. <laughs> Rouhani is supposed to offer blood-curdling threats, not salient advice. Also, as encouraging as the tone of his op-ed is, Andy, Rouhani really might want to deliver that whole gone is the age of blood feuds argument <laughs> to lots of Iran's closest allies, as well as to its supposed enemies. The whole op-ed was designed not so much as provocation, but more explanation as well as olive branch. And it's just, and it's just the latest indication that Rouhani may actually be willing to try to thaw relations with the United States, at least getting that temperature down to cold from the current f***ing freezing where it is at the moment. <laughs> In uh, other news, uh, this was a story actually sent in for satirisation by uh, one of my audience members. This was an amazing story. Uh, during the Second World War, uh, butchers in Germany and allied uh, and occupied Austria, Poland, northern France were outlawed from making sausages because the intestines were needed to make Zeppelin uh, airships, um, which is uh, wow. yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely extraordinary. Um, I guess where you ban sausages, there you also ban people. But um, uh, well, that's, that, that's, that just shows how much Germany wanted to fight that war, Andy, because that's their biggest <laughs> sacrifice. The yeah. German people love a sausage to a fault, <laughs> up to and including a massive personal fault. <laughs> it's like it's like the Belgians. Being, in fact, maybe that was it. Maybe the Belgians were asked to, you know, you, if you you will have to sacrifice waffles to fight a war, and that's why they went, just let him in, let him in. <laughs> You're asking too much. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think I, was, I wasn't aware that uh, basically airships were made of sausage. Yeah, um, the airships are not kosher, Andy. <laughs> but uh, it shows. Um, uh, it actually comes up because I did some research into this. And the Hindenburg, of course, um, famously uh, went down in uh, 1936 or 36, 37, around about then. And uh, and you you hear that you know the the Germans obviously knew of its the fact that it was basically a giant flying sausage. If you hear the German commentary on it, because we've probably heard the English commentary and uh, all the, the kind of disaster unfolding. Um, but uh, I managed to get on um, uh, YouTube and find the German uh, German commentary on it, and um, I brought a transcript strand transcript of that commentary. Uh, oh, that's nice. A few buglers uh, today. 
Ah, so gut. Eine große Barbecue. Kischnitzkischneisel. Ja, Skoslitz und Ketchup, Jungen Franken und Zeppelins gefurter. Ja, 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 Rolf, ja, gewurzelt mit Boom, Boom, Boom. Feuer, Feuer! Und das Schleichrufschluten. Ja, ja, das, 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 ja, ja, ja. Ja, ich habe, da muss dort munchen, in das großen Großballon. Ja. Wurst, bang! Ach, ja, ja, ja. Aber Trost in geheimten Schnitz geflutzt. Geflutzt. Ja, ja, ja. Eintrag Frankfurt 1, bei München 2. Ja, 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 München Gladbach. Ja. Guten Schnitz, bang, bang, der Luft und Luft macht Explodenkraft. Exploden. Aber ich lure der Beckenbauer. Rumenecke. Klinsmann. Reich. Reich! 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 That gives a little insight into it. Beautiful language, Andy. Into the true, uh, the true happening. I'm pretty sure that's racism. (laughs) (laughs) Another extraordinary story coming in from Russia, Uh, and this uh, kind of shows the the nation that John McCain is taking on. Uh, There was um, an argument uh, between two Russian people. Uh, There's nothing unusual there. It's Russia. I've had some pretty big internal disagreements in the past. Um, often involving trains going to pretty far away and pretty cold destinations. Um, this argument happened in a grocery store. Again, understandable. And it ended up with one man shooting the other man. Now, again, this doesn't sound that surprising. Perhaps one of the men was, say, Vladimir Putin, and the other man was perhaps a journalist. You know, it's an old, it's an old tradition of resolving disputes through shooting. But this disagreement was about the theories of the 18th-century German philosopher Immanuel Kant. <laughs> Andy, there is the difference between the Russians and the French right there. <laughs> in France, an argument about philosophy ends with some passive-aggressive smoking outside a coffee shop in Paris. In Russia, it ends with a gunfight in a grocery store. <laughs> That's right. That's why Napoleon and them could never get on. Um, uh, in the words of Franklin D. Roosevelt, Oh, those Russians. Uh, was, that, was, that, was that Roosevelt or Boney M? I can't remember. All I know is that if you play Brown Girl in the Ring backwards, it's basically a fully costed explanation of the New Deal. Uh, and Daddy Cool, uh, if you play it backwards, is an admission that uh, FDR had Amelia Earhart bumped off because she wouldn't let him have a go in her plane. But anyway, um, in the course of uh, this fight, uh, the suspect took out a pistol and fired rubber bullets at his, <laughs> at his opponent, uh, who survived. Um, but um, it's uh, really extraordinary to have uh, you know, just a simple argument about philosophy and in... Uh, End in a shooting, and I've also managed to get the transcript um, of this just a regular conversation in the grocery shop about philosophers. Um, hey, Igor, we've been in this grocery store since 3 pm, it's now 4 pm. This really has been the shop an hour. <clears throat> uh, I really fancy no. a Jewish style bread roll. Uh, no, no, this, sorry, uh, I'm just quitting. Uh, uh, this, this is uh, me checking out. But this behagel is uh, this behagel is too expensive. I'm not shelling out for that, it's a lock of money. Well, you might think that, but uh, I've left my cash at home. Oh, well, you're gonna need your credit card then. Oh, it's been stolen by the wife. Oh, how's that divorce coming on? Shh, legal matter. Um, can someone please just knock me out? How can, how can you do this to Tom, Andy? What? It's the first time he's been back in years, and this is how you welcome him back. Epistemology. Epistemology, you better see a doctor. Could be kidney stones. Anyway, um... <clears throat> I'm all on. hot. Hot, hot. I'm all hot. Hard. <sighs> Here's a question about Immanuel Kant. In 1790, Immanuel Kant defined laughter as an affection arising from what? A. Rude words. B. A stained expectation being suddenly reduced to nothing. C. A man riding a bicycle into a hedge. 
Or D, a woman doing something a man would not dream of doing, or vice versa. Answers on a postcard to the late Mr Cantonese. Bugle feature section now, and the arts. Um, a new series, John, starting this weekend of these smash hits, historical costume soap opera, Downton Abbey. Uh, I know it's been a big hit in the States uh, as well. Has it been a big hit in Australia, Tom? Uh, we don't have television, so I wouldn't. All right. <laughs> Just stand around being comfortably racist, is that, I believe, for some <laughs> don't, social Abby, commentators. Do not start that fire again. Oh, well, Americans often come to Australia and make sweeping statements in their, what was it, John, three-day tour? And suddenly they know everything about <laughs> it Australia. Not, it was not three-day. It was not three-day, Tom. It was, hours. it was a week. And in that week, frankly, you managed to pack in a lot of comfortable racism. That's all I'm saying. What is it about you Americans? You go to a foreign country and you just intent on pissing people off. Australia, <laughs> Afghanistan, Iraq, now Syria. It's just not right. <laughs> That's learned behaviour. Let's not forget who, who started America. <laughs> We did that it with is, a much better is, class of jacket, though. That is hereditary yeah. ir- irritation. To answer your question, Denton Abbey is huge, but is interrupted by endless adverts. Right. Which is incredibly frustrating if you're trying to follow the very boring plot. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there have been a, a lot of, uh, quite a lot of controversy, actually, in the papers uh, about the number of the infinite monkeys who write the dialogue who died due to the poor conditions in the writer's room. Um, uh, of course, David Cameron loves it. He sees it as very much gritty social realism. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, some exclusive previews of uh, Series 4 of uh, Downton Abbey, all the thrilling plot developments. Can Lady Grantham finish her apple? Will Mrs Hughes hold a fork? Why is Lady Ethel pointing at a stick? And will Bates <laughs> ever find his missing penis? Also, when cantankerous and oddly moustached German houseguest Adolf Hotler arrives with a hundred manservants all dressed in intimidatingly sinister uniforms and starts ranting on at dinner about building an empire that will last a thousand years, can Chief Butler Carson restrain himself from saying, well, you've got to admit he's got some strong ideas? And uh, also, will Lord Grantham ever be able to remember all the lyrics to Funkadelic's number one hit, One Nation Under a Groove? (laughs) The show continues to be dogged by allegations of editorial anachronism. (laughs) <laughs> um, also in the art section uh, we're looking at um, video games John uh, Grand Theft Auto out there I imagine you spent most of uh, you spent most of the last week playing Grand Theft Auto sure but I mean I'm, I'm actually physically in LA Andy so I've been living that game not playing it <laughs> 170 million pound budget apparently Grand Theft Auto 5 so seems to believe if Michelangelo had been alive today he would have been programming computer games. He wouldn't have been. A, he wouldn't have been a painter decorator. Are you suggesting Mickey Paintbrush would shoot their drug dealers in a virtual? I'm just way? saying he'd have designed a game entitled Bible One: Genesis of Doom, and it would have had a lot of people prancing around with a with a meat out. But that's not the point. Uh, other um, a lot of other games coming out uh, having to compete with Grand Theft Auto Fighting, uh, including uh, Janet Napolitano's Bobsled Mayhem, um, unexpected departure for the former Homeland Security Secretary, Teddy Roosevelt's Beast Slayer. That's uh, an early 20th century hunting uh, uh, hunting expedition game, described by the gaming magazine Gratuitous Gorseblatter as, quote, too bloodthirsty even by 21st century gaming standards. Uh, Bernard Snout, Traffic Warden. That's a cracking game, that. Um, <laughs> arguably, arguably too realistic. Um, and the eagerly awaited Fall of Empire 3, General Social Decay. Can you continue the slow destruction of an empire, picking up where the hit uh, Fall of Empire... Series has left off, uh, of course, the first one, Fall of Empire, Overreach, Fall of Empire 2, Cling to Power. 
They left off uh, Fall of Empire 3 challenges you to mastermind the gradual collapse of a once thriving economic powerhouse and the fracturing of an increasingly complacent amoral society amidst an intangible sense of unease. Uh, next year's Fall of Empire 4, Total Mayhem, should be absolutely sensational. Uh, your emails now, and uh, we have an email here from Johanna in Germany who says, Dear John, Andy and Chris, in order of who of you need some German lessons? Well, she says that now, but she hadn't already heard today's bugles. That may change that order. Uh, she says, I'm very sorry to have to tell you there is no German word for tasing yourself. And Leckentasen, which you made up, this is when I tased myself in Afghanistan, uh, means something in German, but definitely not what you thought. Lecken is to lick. Tarzan doesn't exist, but sounds similar, similar to Tassen, which means mugs. I'm pretty sure licking mugs would have the same effect as tasing yourself, but maybe, John, you can try this, because uh, you seem to be easily talked into something like that. <laughs> Incidentally, she says, Germans would describe tasing yourself like this. Sich selbst mit einem Elektroschocker angriff iron. Sounds aggressive, even for Germans it does, but that's because tasing yourself is aggressive, and most of all, f***ing stupid. <laughs> fair, fair point, Johanna. Uh, she says, I won't say f*** you, Chris, which, by the way, is f*** dick, Chris, in German, but we'll try something different. A compliment. Chris, for Germans, your accent sounds very sexy. That's not a, that Germany. is not a compliment. That is basically accusing Chris of war crimes. <laughs> <laughs> what have you become? <laughs> well, you might say, well, this email will put you in your place, uh, Tom. Uh, it came in from uh, Laura, uh, Laurie in uh, Helsinki. Um, uh, saying, hello gentlemen, I wonder if Andy is a representative of the chosen people thinks this might come a little bit late. The Finnish Amateur Athletic Association has <laughs> apologised for revoking an obvious 100 metre victory from a Jewish athlete in Helsinki. In June 1938. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, justice. 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 I mean, that, you know... We, my team has, uh, or the team that I'm a, a, a lapsed, non, non-subscription paying member of. We, yeah, I'll, we I'll do say, Andy, we, I would, I'd say muzzle tough for that medal if I thought you knew what that meant. We cannot, we, we, we cannot afford to spurn any sporting victory. That, <laughs> that is, since our, our win in the uh, 40-year triathlon from uh, Egypt to, uh, to the promised land. <laughs> We've not, uh, not done so well. Uh, any manipula- manipulation of the results is shocking, continues the article that uh, Laurie sent in, and goes against our fundamental values in sport. <laughs> I present my sincerest apologies to those who've suffered injustices and to their families. So, I mean, you know, I guess, I mean, it's it's an example, isn't it? That, you know, the world, it's never too late to apologise. Or that um, you're, if you're very slow at doing admin like I am, yeah. you get to it, you know... 70 years too late. Yeah. But you still get it done. Yeah, I want an apology for being disqualified from my school leg and, uh, school sack race 1981 because I crossed the line slightly out of my sack and I maintain that I was still enough in the sack according to IAAF <laughs> regulations that that result should st- should have stood. Do you, do you do hold you grudges? Was, do you think it was probably anti-Semitism, Andy? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I mean, let's just say the kid that took the gold medal in my place was was not a Jewish boy. That's... I mean, I, I mean, I was about the only Jewish boy in the school, but that's not the point. To quote you, there's, no, no, yeah. there's nothing more chilling than hearing a very wealthy English voice say, "Get back in that sack!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me, the Jew has escaped from his sack. <laughs> Punish him. Oh, it's, uh, I think it was a Radio Four comedy series in the 1930s. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Bullington Club, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we just like to wish a uh, get well soon to Jonah, who sent us a very nice email uh, this week. I hope uh, hope all is going well. And you yeah, are, hang in there, Jonah. Yeah. So uh, all the best from the bugle. Uh, that's it for this week. Um, John, you're going to st- still be in LA next week. Yes, I um, am. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, good luck at the Emmys. What do you mean on an emotional level? Good luck surviving that. Thank you. I'll take it. Well, you know, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that modern culture is just an abyss of nothingness. It gets close to making no. a persuasive argument, though. <laughs> we'll just see if, uh, in between some of the speeches and the tears, you can hear the distant echo of civilization's past asking why. <laughs> I tell you what, Andy, I'll throw that into my acceptance speech. Right? Yeah, you do. If you drink heavily as well, that probably will help things. <laughs> uh, do keep your emails coming in to info at thebuglepodcast.com. Thanks again to everyone who's come to see my show. I'm hoping to uh, tour it, uh, hopefully, uh, around the world, not just uh, and in Britain. Well, we'll see. Um, but thanks again. And uh, check out our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash the hyphen bugle. Uh, don't forget the Bugle merch and voluntary subscriptions at thebuglepodcast.com. And we'll be back uh, with Bugle 248 next week. Tom, thanks. It's been great to see you. Thanks, Up until um, the pun run, it was good to see you. Go f*** yourself. <laughs> You're no longer welcome in this country or this podcast. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Goodbye, Buglers. Goodbye. Bye, Tom. Bye. <laughs> Bye, John. F*** you, John. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.